Welcome to the Stand League podcast. This is Evan Wexell. Uh, we are showcasing some of our site bloggers for standleague.org. If you like what we're doing, uh, definitely check the podcast out uh, at SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash standleague, as well as on iTunes, uh, Stand League podcast. You can write a five-star review and share and all that fun stuff. Uh, I am bringing on... A, a another writer right now to the podcast and he uh you can see him now he is he is visible to all of you on the new Scientology network he is featured in an episode of one of their original shows that we'll get into uh but without further ado artist creative man father will seabrook how are hey, you i'm good man how you doing good just so we know where are you what state are you in right now at the moment, I'm in Florida, uh, but oh, if you had asked me last week or the week before, I've been all over the country in the last two weeks, so uh, I've been a busy boy. That's good. Just, just find, yeah. the, find the coffee shops and just get up on stage and do stuff. I'm, I'm telling you, yeah, that's exactly the way it goes. Nice. So uh, currently on uh, March 12th, uh, Scientology launched its own TV network. And uh, it's kind of related to the to the blog because it, it does kind of what we do at the website, uh, StanLeague.org. What what were you featured in? You were in like the first hour of the network ever airing. There's a feature on Will Seabrook. So so take me. Yeah. There. Well, I was I was a part of. So they took you inside the church in L.A. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was fortunate to help those guys. Uh, when they were putting that piece together. And I didn't know, by the way, I, I was watching the network like everybody else, excited about what was going on. And yeah. then I was like, oh, look, it's me. And oh, look, it's me again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of every 10 minutes, I was just popping my head and saying something. So I was very obviously proud of that. And it was really a privilege to help kind of articulate what it's all about. And, and uh, hopefully people got a lot out of that and, and have more of their own subjective reality and kind of what goes on in there. So it was really, it was a pleasure to talk about my experience. I've been a, I've been a church member for, what has it been? 17 years wow. now. Just crazy to think about. It goes so quick. Um, but it was, it was just really fun to be a part of it. So, so what was life like 17 and a half years ago? Like how did you make the transition? <laughs> well, I, I had a really interesting time of it because at the time uh, I was a professional full-time musician. That's what I did for a living. And I had just gotten a deal with Warner Brothers, which was a big accomplishment. I'd been touring for years and working very hard on the road, uh, just being a road warrior and kind of building up the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at a time when I should have been just absolutely thrilled, I was just miserable. Wow. And I was overwhelmed by it. I wasn't ready for the experience. I went personally and professionally. I just, I just wasn't where I needed to be to really take advantage of that kind of opportunity, even though I'd been working so hard. Uh, and I just ended up, I wanted it so badly to be somebody who made the world a better place with my music and, and personally and professionally was just somebody that people would love to be around, love being a part of what I was doing. And I, I was able to do some of that. I was always pretty good at kind of getting things going, but I wasn't good at stabilizing things and really making them go for the long term. And I was upsetting people. I sort of looked up one day and my girlfriend hated me and my band hated me. (laughs) My producer was mad at me. I was like, man, what is happening? Why am I so bad at this? Uh, and so I, it really caught me at a time where professionally things looked good. The, the apparency in my life, apparently I was doing great, but personally I was just not a happy camper at all. So I was really, I had always been somebody who was looking 
for the truth of things? Like, how does this all work? What's this all about? And at that time, I really needed uh, I needed some information that made sense to me that I could use and make to make my life better. Yeah. And that's what I found. So the minute I got it, I was like a thirsty guy in the desert. Like, oh yes, <laughs> good. Uh, I'll take some more, please. What? What? Then what was the first drink of water? Like, what was the first thing that was there a course that drew you drew you in a little more? Or? No. I think it was more a lot of the basic concepts, right? Um, the idea of a communication cycle, what that really is. So, what it really means to communicate with somebody, and and the 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 ARC triangle, which mm-hmm. is what what creates understanding. Mm-hmm. So that the the component parts of understanding being affinity, how much you like or don't like something or someone, reality, how much you have in common and can understand each other, and then communication being the most important element of that. And that was the thing as an artist, as a creative person, I always want to be communicating to the world and, and trying, you want to, you want to reach as many people as you can. And for me with the most uplifting message that I can, that was always the point for me and the degree to which I couldn't even reach the people in my personal life, you know, that, that I was having trouble communicating with the people who were closest to me. That was driving me crazy. And I sort of the analogy I gave people, I always wanted to be Superman, but I was just tripping over my own cape all the time. Uh. <laughs> I was trying to go dash out the door, you know, save the whole world with the power of art and music. And I just was making all these messes so close to home that I, I, could, I literally couldn't get out the front door half the time. And I think the thing is you ended up doing that. Like having – what was – did you do like a, an artist series, uh, like Artists for a Better World? You ended up creating a, a concert or something? Yeah. Like? Well, well, now I have – so I started my, my actual own nonprofit. It's a 501c3. Okay. Uh, it's a lot of paperwork by yeah. the way. <laughs> um, for anybody out there, you, you want to do good things in the world, you're going you're gonna to do your paperwork. Have good penmanship, uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, but I, so I was invited to help with some of these really beautiful public service announcements that you can find on humanrights.com. Yep. And they, they're just these beautiful videos that bring to life the 30 precepts of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which has been around since the founding of the United Nations. After World War II, things were so horrifically bad all over the world that the countries of the world actually got together for the first time and said, okay, we really, this has happened twice now. We really can't ever let this happen again. So they started the UN. And I'm not, by the way, banging the drum for the UN. I don't, I don't believe that the UN all by itself can solve world problems. Right. It just comes down to people and education. But I do very much believe in the power that if you give people helpful, truthful information, that they'll do great things with it. And so the world agreed on 30 human rights that every single person on the planet is supposed to have. And I helped do uh, some of the music for one of those PSAs. And that's how I found out about it. I'd never even heard of it. And just really fell in love with the whole concept and the project. And I said, here's something I could very easily go out and share with audiences with my music. So I started Rock for Human Rights. Right. So if you go to rock, if you go to rock uh, you can see there's some videos there that kind of show what we do and we're actually planning a big tour. I don't know if it's going to happen either this fall or next spring. We've done, I think three tours now. And I brought a friend over from Zimbabwe and Africa and he's a lifelong friend now. He's like a totally amazing guy. His name is Alexio Kawada and he is, <laughs> he's the biggest popular artist in Zimbabwe and just one of my favorite people. And he's man, he's come over twice and now we want to bring his entire band over for the next tour and really make it like a month-long thing where we go to schools and churches and nonprofits and things like that and, and just talk about people's human rights. And everywhere I go, nobody knows about this, 
and everybody loves it. And so I just want to be kind of like Johnny Appleseed, you know, just spreading the word everywhere I go. And if I didn't do anything else but that with my music for the rest of my <laughs> life, I'd be, I'd be happy. Is there like a human rights day during the year? Is there like an international human rights day or I feel like there yeah, is. There, there's a couple things. I, I think I want to say there's a day of peace and, and I think that's in September and then uh, December 6th. I hope I have that right. I need mm-hmm. to double. Um, but I think it's December 6th, which is international human rights day. And we, we typically do, we, we help. There are lots of amazing groups out there uh, doing things for it. So I always try to do something on that date. Uh, but a lot of the touring that we do have done so far is either in the spring or fall. Um, so, okay. That's, all, that's awesome. And also like, I mean, you can go to the website you mentioned, but I think they also air the PSAs now on the network. So, I'm sure they do. And, yeah. and I'm actually fortunate enough. I'm going to be hosting a show on the network about human rights. In fact, I think uh-huh. it airs for the first time, uh, March 17th, uh, at 8 PM Eastern. That'll be the first airing of it. So. Oh, good. Yeah. And that was that's really, today. well, we'll see yeah. when they hear it. People will hear it, but yeah, it'll already be out there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I, I'm just, again, just very proud and humbled to be a part of that and just love helping get the word out. Excellent. Um, I wanted to talk about one of your blogs because you have uh, several blogs at stanleague.org, one of which I guess I can relate to being in the same category, what yeah. it's like being a Scientology dad. Now I know there's like a website for like Scientology parents that's uh, someone else created, but uh, yeah. what what was the genesis of of this article? Uh, why did you want to write uh, something about being a parent, being a Scientologist, and and that? Well, when my son was born, um, I didn't have any experience at all with young kids this lifetime, right. and so I was pretty terrified. I didn't have <laughs> my I have an older sister. And then we moved overseas when I was pretty young, so I didn't have like a lot of young cousins and things hanging around. And I was just pretty scared to death that I was going to drop him immediately and damage him permanently at any given time. And, you know, it was scary. And then it's funny. I held my son for the first time and it was like, you know, 10,000 lifetimes of experience came flooding back to me. And wow. it's like I've been doing it forever. But my son is an extraordinary guy. And, of course, I'm going to say that because I'm his dad. But yeah. we hear it from people all the time. And I, it's, it's almost like I get almost not embarrassed, just sort of like, I feel like I don't deserve it. Like I don't deserve the credit because just <laughs> every, everywhere we go, people say, man, some, he's like such an old soul. And I'm like, yeah, he actually is. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just a good, he's a sweet, sweet person. He's a creative person. He's an artist and he's just good people. And he's also, you know, he's 12 now and he's just on the precipice of really growing up and all the sort of complicating factors involved in that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up, I was a teenager. Um, the internet literally sort of went public when I, the year after I graduated high school. So yeah. I, I was like just of that generation of people that just sort of missed that experience. Right. And, you know, he is one Google search away from Armageddon <laughs> <laughs> at any given moment. You know, it's like, how do you, you can't protect your kid in an environment like we have now. So what you have to do is prepare them, right? Right. And, and how do you do that? How do you, how do you keep his childhood as, as innocent and as carefree as you can, but also prepare him for the world that is inevitably coming like a freight train. Right. And for me, just all of the tools that I've picked up and frankly, getting rid of so much of my own baggage and crap was a huge part of it because I didn't want to be the thing you know, I think a lot, for a lot of people, they love their parents so much, yep. but oh man, like you can kind of handle Thanksgiving and Christmas and you're like, okay, I'll see you next year. 
and, and I desperately want the kind of relationship with him where we just see each other all the time and we're just really great friends for my whole life, you know? And so I didn't want to be the reason where, you know, he was having to, <laughs> I didn't want to damage him. Like I said, I wanted to be the guy who really could set a good example and show him how to, how to, how to be a man and how to be a good person in life. And I found that Scientology is the, the way to go about doing that. Uh, what's like your favorite activity together to do? Well, I love, uh, I love being out in the world and exploring. We've, we've taken hikes since he was little. I mean, we, we, so we, he grew he was born in Southern California. We lived there for years right. and we would go up on these steep mountain hikes when he was really little and people would sort of look at us like, you're going to put that kid on a leash. And I was like, he's better at it than we are. Uh, and he's always been sort of an adventurer that way. And now he's really getting into just like every kid his age. He, he wants his own YouTube channel. Nice. <laughs> it's a constant negotiating process. <laughs> uh, you know, like again, how much exposure do you want your kid to have out in the world and how much do you want to expose them to at whatever age? But he's really getting, I, I love for instance that he, I, I showed him how to edit something using oh. video editing. Oh wow. And he, he, instantly understood it and then started doing things that I didn't know how to literally I came back an hour later and he had already figured out how to do some editing things that I had never done before and that's part of what I do for a living and he used this you know consumer apple software but it's like man and he made it genuinely funny and entertaining and I was like and it just blows your mind that these little people that don't exist and then they exist and then they grow up and really become their own people and then they start doing things that delight you, not just because you're their parent, but because they're just great, you know, it's objectively great. It's, it's such a cool experience. So he just gets more and more awesome the older he gets. And, uh, and he really also has found Scientology for himself. And that was really important. You can't force it on anybody. It's really got to be his decision. And so it's really, but it's gratifying to me because I've looked in a lot of places for mm-hmm. truths and things that, that will help you in life. And there's a lot of help out in the world, but I've never found one thing that gives you so much help in such a concentrated fashion as Scientology. So I'm, I'm really obviously pleased that he feels the same way about it. If someone was listening and looking for that truth, is there like a specific thing you could direct them to, whether it's like being a parent or, or just looking for answers? Is there a specific book or is there like a course or what would you recommend to someone that's kind of where you were maybe 17 and a half years ago? Totally. Well, the thing I love now is that they've organized things so beautifully. If you go to Scientology.org, you can go literally find the thing that you have an interest in, start searching for it. And they've got all these introductory courses that you can do online. They're totally free. And not only do you do them, but there's actually a supervisor. I actually did one with my son and I didn't realize they were free at the time, and, and I logged in, and we started doing it. And then the, the course supervisor is there. You type in your answers, and then you hear back from them. And if something needs correcting, they'll help you, and they'll guide you through it, and they'll follow up with you if it's been a while. And they're just amazingly gracious and helpful. And uh, we took him through um, what's called an administrative scale which is a big thing when yeah. you're 12. But he wanted to do this YouTube channel, and it was essentially like he wanted to start his own small business. And yeah. I said, okay, man, if you really want to figure that out, then this is this sort of gives you the step-by-step guidance of how you, how you want to go about doing that. But it's really anything. It's parenting. It's marriage. It's how to run a business. It's how to run your finances. It's how to just be a better person. It's how to communicate better with people. It's sort of anything in your life that's bugging you 
you can go there and do these intro courses. And they're designed to be very easy to understand. They're not long, but there's an incredible, it's this amazingly concentrated amount of super helpful information presented very simply and quickly. So you can get your head around it and start using it right away. It's really cool. Cool. Very cool. Um, we can read you obviously on Stan League, but like where, where else could people like check you out or your businesses and your, your rock for human rights? Yeah, that is something I'm super passionate about. So rock for human rights.org all spelled out F O R. Um, and my music is on iTunes. I'm doing more music now. It's funny. I'm doing, I've I've been going to Nashville and working with some guys there. The the first music I ever did was in Nashville and then I moved to LA, but I've sort of, I've fallen in love with the kind of pop country sound that's going on now. And I never, man, if I'd said that to you even two years ago, (laughs) if you'd said that, I would have said you're crazy. But I, I I think I'm at a, a stage in my life where what people are talking about in that genre really speaks to my life experience. And there's a lot of positivity there, a lot about family and, and love of country and community and, and being a good person and standing up for the right things. And, um, I, I really admire that. So I'm, I'm digging on Nashville right now. So I'm working with a producer there who's crazy talented and I'll have that music out hopefully later this year. And it's just fun. As an artist, every artist I know is always creating something. Yeah. Whether it's for commercial use or your own pleasure or whatever, you just that urge to create never goes away. Yeah. And what I've observed is the more I the more I do and study in Scientology, the the bigger that creative urge gets. And the more I'm able to kind of be present in my own creative process, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, no, definitely. Very nice, Will Sieber. Good, good to get your story. Good to get your viewpoints. And uh, we'll definitely check you out. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And if you my guys like this interview with Will, you can five-star rate it on iTunes. Uh, but yeah, Will, thanks, thanks for taking the time. Will Seabrook, a renaissance man. My pleasure. You got it.